It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Lamarice and Stephen Means. None of us are Heisman Trophy candidates again this year. It's kind of a sore subject. We're not going to get into it. It's a lot of politics involved, but there are Heisman Trophy candidates out there, and we are picking who we believe will win the 2021 Heisman Trophy. And I, Doug, you said you went back and listened to last year's. As I was kind of preparing for this podcast, I remember like going really in depth last year and putting this out to the texters and getting a lot of votes back, partially because Justin Fields was considered one of the two primary candidates, and it's interesting this year that it, I'm going into this with almost a very different mindset because anybody who contends for this from Ohio State seems to be a little bit of an underdog at this point and that's something of a change yeah last year we all we did it on August 3rd last year which was earlier than we're doing this one uh, and we all had Justin Fields one Trevor Lawrence two in our Heisman picks so we got part of that right because Trevor Lawrence finished second and uh, Justin Fields finished seventh. But yes, I mean, it was such too obvious. I said something on the podcast like, last year about like, if you could design like the perfect preseason Heisman candidate, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were both that. And I don't know that anybody this year rises to that level. I don't think Spencer Rattler is at that level of what Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were a year ago. And then I'll shout myself out because I had Kyle Trask third and he finished fourth. He was one of the Heisman finalists, so... That was really smart. Last year was so obvious just because, I mean, it's the best two. It was literally the best two players in college football who also at the time played for the perceived best two teams in college football before Alabama decided to show us that, yes, we have a super team on our hands. None of us were on Mac Jones a year ago. Nobody was on Devontae Smith because nobody was on him until Jalen Waddle got hurt. Nathan, you and I were both on Najee Harris. You and I both had uh, Najee as like our fourth guy. He finished fifth. So we were in range on some guys. We were in range on some guys, but it last, I mean, nobody saw Devonte Smith coming to, to the level to, you know, as winning it a year ago at this time. Who did we both have third? Do you have that marked down? You had Trask. So I had Trask third. Steven had Jamie Newman third, and he opted out. So that Thanks, was Jamie. a no-go. And you had Sam Ellinger from Texas, Nathan. Okay. Who, yeah, who opted out of the Heisman candidacy pretty early, but did play the full season. 
Um, they opted out of him. <laughs> that may be a better way of saying that. We're going to get into all of the candidates a little bit later because there are a, a group that is kind of, at least in the preseason, become sort of the main consensus candidates. But we wanted to start off keeping this a little bit more local and talk about who is the best Big Ten Heisman candidate. And sort of the one question I had down before we even started talking that we might start the podcast down was how bad does the Big Ten need a legitimate Heisman candidate who isn't from Ohio State? I feel like it's something that would bring some juice back to this conference a little bit. It's something that would signal that there is someone else out there who can better challenge Ohio State. It's something that's definitely missing from the conversation I think we're about to have. And isn't a Wisconsin running back also. Right. I don't care about Wisconsin running backs. No offense to them, but we've seen that before. That's probably the best question. Like, how bad does the Big Ten need another quarterback to be a Heisman Trophy candidate? I mean, they just need better quarterback play in the conference yeah. overall. So, yeah, I mean, I this is where if you want the Big Ten to be good, that this is where Graham Mertz comes in. This is where J.J. McCarthy comes in. This is where Penn State recruit Drew Aller comes in. Like, this is – they just need the raise – they need to raise the level of quarterback play because – there are other there are other schools who aren't the first tier schools and other conferences who have guys like that. They need a Sam Howell. They need a Keaton Slovis, right? They need a guy like that. And maybe Graham Mertz is that. Maybe he is. But yes, I think to your point, Nathan, I, it, certainly j- that's what it would be. Does it mean that team would beat Ohio State? No, not necessarily. I mean, probably not. But it would add some juice to the conversation if if you had a Sam Howell maybe waiting for Ohio State and the Big Ten championship game, that's a lot of juice, and that's not where we are. Who was the last Big Ten quarterback that wasn't an Ohio State player who was a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate? Was it Drew Brees? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that. Drew Brees probably? Um, I mean, I'm – I. Yeah, probably that. And I mean, we might be, I mean, Russell, well, Russell Wilson for a year, he barely, that's true. Okay. No, that's, that's legitimate. I mean, he was there. That was some juice for a year. He was there. I mean, that's, he played for Wisconsin. Like that, that counts. So, I mean, if we're going to count Joe Burrow for LSU, then you got to count Russell Wilson for Wilson for Wisconsin. He finished, uh, no, no, he didn't. He finished ninth in the Heisman race in his one year in 2011. Monty Ball finished fourth for Wisconsin that year, but Russell Wilson got four first place votes. So yeah, probably him, but, but he, he certainly added a juice factor. That was, I mean, when he came into Ohio stadium in that game as Braxton Miller versus Russell Wilson, that's, that's pretty juicy. So I was looking at the odds that are out there for the Heisman trophy and there, there aren't great updated odds. The highest ranking person from the big 10 in the Heisman odds, do you guys know who it is? CJ Stroud. That's not Ohio State related or Ohio State related as well? It, no, just, just anybody. And it's, it is C.J. Oh, Stroud. No, he's, he's somewhere around the neighborhood of like the fourth, fifth, sixth player in the, the Heisman Trophy odds on most sites. Uh, odds Shark has updated theirs and they have him at plus 11, which is tied for the fourth best odds right now in the Big Ten. And you have to go all the way down. There's like another 10, 12 players before you get to Graham Mertz. And that's the only other one mentioned on that site and uh, that you you're, you're hard pressed to find anybody else from the big 10. So right now, wouldn't you say that CJ Stroud, just by the, by the very nature of being the quarterback of the team that will probably win the big 10 and go to the playoff is sort of by default, the best candidate. 
No. By the way, JT Barrett, his first year as a starter in 2014, finished fifth in the Heisman voting. Didn't get any first place votes, though. Uh, I think Chris Olave is a better Heisman candidate than C.J. Stroud, and I would not put my money on C.J. Stroud. I think the door that Devontae Smith cracked open last mm-hmm. year, I just, I just don't know if C.J. is going to make enough spectacular plays to get the interest and Chris Olave is so established and so well known that I think an undefeated Ohio State team with a very good offense, I don't know if you'd go to CJ. And and we've talked a lot about Garrett and, and Chris splitting stuff. And oh, if it's down the middle, you know, I don't I still think there'd be a way that again, if if Chris Olave has fourteen hundred receiving yards and 13 touchdowns and Garrett Wilson has 1100 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. I don't know if you'd get to CJ Stroud. I think, I think you might go to Chris Olave. An interesting point to make. I guess my counterpoint would be, do you think Chris Olave makes enough fantastic plays to get that kind of juice? And I, on top of that, as a guy who is part of his story now is, well, he's supposed to be in the NFL now. He could be in the NFL right now. He might have been a first-round pick last year. That also raises the bar for what a spectacular play looks like for him. He'll make some plays down the field. Um, you know, we, we were talking with Parker Fleming, the, you know, the special teams coach recently, about how Chris Olave is still going to be a gunner. You can drop a big hit being the gunner on a, on a Heisman highlight reel. You know, I, I know what you're saying. But I think, and it's hard because Jalen Waddle got hurt. And, and if they split the receiver reps, maybe Mac Jones wins it last year. But I don't think C.J. Stroud and Mac Jones is a particularly good comparison. But I think in a Heisman race, we saw what it looked like. It's like the quarterback was really good, and so was the receiver. And people were a little unsure about how good the quarterback actually was, so they gave it to the receiver. So I just I think it's, it's affected how people think. And if – if a receiver hadn't won it last year, I might not be saying this, but these are dumb people who are voting. And and the idea of, oh, receiver won it last year, honestly, I think has to go into your thinking. But I don't know if, in this hypothetical, Chris Olave wouldn't be there unless C.J. Stroud is also there with him. That's part of it. Because that's the thing. Regardless of who won the award, it's, it, Devontae Smith wasn't going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist and Mac Jones not also be one. But, I mean, what's the point? The point is, who's the better Heisman candidate? Well, the receiver finished ahead of the quarterback last year, so I'm saying the receiver is a better Heisman candidate. If you disagree, that's fine. But even if, they, even if he's there, I'd still take Olave over Stroud. But I don't think there's a lot of hype around C.J. Stroud. I, I don't. I, I so he gets to be the surprise candidate, but I don't know. We've seen Chris Olave do spectacular things. So if he keeps doing spectacular things, I feel like he'll get more credit maybe for elevating a freshman quarterback than CJ Stroud will get credit for like, oh, you made Chris Olave great. I don't know. I just think it might be a, a situation for the receiver to have the, the end. I agree there's not a lot of hype right now, but it's also because Brian Day, until today, hadn't really said anything publicly about him being the starter. While with the other guys talking about, they've had all offseason to basically build that hype, whether we're talking about DJ, Bryce Young, Sam Howell, uh, Spencer Rattler, on down the list, all of them have spent the offseason building that hype while Ryan's just been, CJ's been in a quarterback battle, even if we all don't think it's really much of a battle anymore. 
by the way, we are marking this down on a Monday, but not the Monday you're all listening to this on. It's the Monday that we just talked to Ryan Day, and he did say that C.J. Stroud has separated in the quarterback competition without naming him the starter. I hear what you're saying, Doug, in relation to Olave. I do wonder, though, in my mind, I think of Olave, while he has made some spectacular plays, I think of Garrett Wilson as the more electric of the two. And I wonder if, regardless of the numbers that Rolave puts up, if that electricity kind of over here is going to be distracting people from supporting him as the Heisman candidate from this offense. So do you think, so you think that means Garrett or do you think that means CJ for you? I think that means I, if I were picking the best candidate from the Big Ten, I would probably pick CJ Stroud. Here's my thing. I think it is I am I would very much be surprised if people if Ohio State is good enough for to have a Heisman finalist, right? Which to do that they're they're going to have to win the Big 10 and either be undefeated or have one loss, right? Mm-hmm. I just with the talent that they have, I would I would have a hard time of like people looking at that and being like the best player on that team is CJ Stroud. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't seen it in the past. I mean, if you looked at Ohio State in 2014, was JT Barrett the best player? No, but he was the guy who finished fifth in the Heisman race. But that was Zeke coming on late. That was them not throwing it as much. Like, I, I just see a situation where C.J. Stroud might be the seventh best player on the offense this year. And that's not a shot at C.J. Stroud. But he might not do his job as well as Garrett Wilson, Olave. Jeremy Ruckert, Thayer Munford, Nicholas Petit Frere, and Paris Johnson. And you're going to give that guy the Heisman just because he's a quarterback. If, if we get off quarterback, and it's hard to get off quarterback, yeah. but if you get off quarterback, I, I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time being like thinking to myself that people are going to think, wow, CJ Stroud led Ohio State to the playoff. I don't. I see it more like, man, they have the two best receivers in the country and an awesome offensive line. Look, Olave has 1,400 receiving yards. I'm voting for him. I think that's how we would look at it, but I'm thinking of how will I think an average Heisman voter look at it, and I think they would be more likely to default to the quarterback, as they often do. No, that's true. That's true. And again, it just depends how dumb you think people are. Very, very, very dumb. Or just partially dumb. But Chris Olave is pretty famous. You got to take that into account. That, that might help the dumb people see the light. So what sort of, I mean, statistically, what sort of um, neighborhood does Chris Olave have to be in to win a Heisman Trophy? And does Garrett Wilson's statistics play any role in that? Does it, you know what I'm saying? Like, does it have to be that he clearly separates in terms of impact in some way this year? I think the numbers have to be – he might have to be record-breaking along with Garrett also being crazy good. It's like he's got record-breaking numbers while also playing alongside a guy who deserves the ball while also continuing to add to the narrative that is Chris Olave's story already. I mean, if if he has, you know, 110 receiving yards per game or something, I, I think – I don't think he has to have – like Devontae Smith last year, I think he had like 140. Right. I don't think he has to have that. You know, I, I think he could. And again, we're not talking about winning the Heisman. We're talking about being the best Heisman candidate in the Big Ten. 
I don't think Chris right. Olave is going to win the Heisman. I think he very well might be the highest Big Ten finisher. So I, as you pointed out, Nathan, I mean, you're, you're the, the one who said that Chris Olave sneakily might have had the best season in Ohio State history last year. He finished 12th of the nation in receiving yards per game with 104. Mm-hmm. So say he moves up and finishes sixth. Last year, sixth was 118 yards per game. Say he gets to 118 yards per game and has, I don't know, like 15 touchdowns in 13 games. I think that could make him a Heisman finalist. In 2014, when JT Barrett was Ohio State's Heisman finalist, and Ezekiel Elliott came on late, came on late and was not viewed in the same way, Ohio State's leading receiver that year, and this counts the playoff stuff, so I don't know where they were when the Heisman vote came in, was Devin Smith at 62 yards per game. He was 79th in the country. So, like, they didn't have – they didn't have a receiver candidate, and Zeke wasn't Zeke until like the last month. So they defaulted to JT because they couldn't, they couldn't figure out how to vote for Joey Bosa, who was the best player on the team the whole year. They couldn't figure out how to do that. So they defaulted to the quarterback. I don't think they will have to default to the quarterback in the same way because I think the numbers that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson could put up would, will potentially dwarf. You can't vote for Devin Smith, whatever, 60-something yards per game. But if Chris Olave is over 100, bunch of touchdowns, I think you could vote for him. What kind of a season do you think Trevion Henderson needs to have? I don't think he's – it's hard for me to imagine him getting in this conversation this year. But we are going to be in a we're, – we're getting into a situation where we are always talking about, like, that next guy. What does he have to do this year to sort of put him – keep him on the radar for future years? Or do you think that's not a factor at all, that there isn't that kind of year-to-year momentum that it's it's – regardless of what he does this year, that candidacy starts over completely fresh next year. If he has a Zeke, Trey, Sermon type postseason, he can take that into next year because that's the expectation now is like, oh, he's arrived. Look how he's performed on the playoff stage. Even if they don't win a national title, it's like that's the expectation for him from day one coming out the gate in 2022, especially – when we're getting into a world where they might again have a new starting quarterback. And it's like, oh, we're just going to ride Travion Henderson all season. It's, it's hard, I think, almost anymore. I think it's hard for a running back in, in like an effective passing offense, right? I mean, I think you almost have to be viewed as like the driving engine of the offense. But a year ago, Nathan, you and I had Najee Harris as the fourth guy on our list. He finished fifth. Coming into last season, he had run for 1,224 yards the year before and had scored 13 rushing touchdowns and seven receiving touchdowns. So he averaged almost 100 yards per game and had 20 total touchdowns. And then last year he had 1,466 yards and had 30 total touchdowns and he finished fifth. So I think it's tough. I mean, I think like a guy like Brees Hall at Iowa State, it just has a better candidacy because they're not throwing it around the yard. He's like the, the driving force. And as much and again, Ohio State runs it more than we all think they do. But like Wisconsin running backs get in the Heisman mix because nobody thinks Wisconsin can throw. It's going to be hard for Trevion Henderson, I think, to get in that mix. I mean, J.K. got to the edge of the mix with a 2,000-yard season for a playoff team, yeah. right? But that's – he got aced out by his own quarterback and his own defensive end. So it's just like how – what does it look like where the Ohio State running back is the best player on Ohio State's team? I, I don't know what that looks like in this age and this offense. And by the time Trayvon Henderson's awesome, like he's going to be competing against Jack Sawyer and Quinn Ewers. So like, and Emeka Buka, 
You know, like, I don't know what to tell Trevion. I'm like, go do your thing, be a first-round pick. I'm not sure you're ever going to get to New York, though. I think you've got to find a way to dazzle. I think it can't just be production. You've got to be doing like highlight real things repeatedly, I think as, cause that's a little bit of what Devonta Smith did last year too. It wasn't just that he was putting up numbers. I, I felt like there was each week or every other week he was doing something that could get out on social media and get viral a little bit and make you say like, Oh man, look at what this guy's doing. Like he's really doing some special things on a field. Like that's, I think the kind of thing you have to, to do you have to you have to hype yourself beyond just the stats because a lot of people put up good stats no i agree but and you've got to be to be a running back i think you've got to be the driving force of the playoff team so like if, i mean you think about zeke right zeke murdered defenses in the 2014 postseason 2015 ohio state can't even figure out who the starting quarterback is so it sure as heck mm-hmm. isn't the quarterback and quarterback in 2015 they lose one game and he's awesome. He's really good. Finished eighth. So, you know, but Derrick Henry won. And Christian McCaffrey was second in 2015. And Leonard Fournette was, was sixth. And Dalvin Cook was seventh. All ahead of Zeke, but kind of like on the Zeke plan. Like Derrick Henry was the driving force of Alabama that year. Christian McCaffrey was the driving force of Stanford. Fournette was at LSU. So it's just – Ohio State throws it so well now. I think it makes it hard for its running back to be a real, real, real Heisman threat beyond maybe sneaking to New York is like by finishing fourth or fifth. Who would we pick from the rest of the Big Ten if you had to pick a dark horse Big Ten candidate to be a, a finalist, a Heisman finalist this year, or the best or the best candidate from the Big Ten? Who would that be? Non-Ohio State, who would you pick? I mean, uh, probably Graham Hurt, Mertz, Ryan Holinsky. Or and then like a long shot, Michael Penix. If Ohio State just kind of takes a step back this year, and Michael Penix does goes crazy in that game again, but then also puts it together for a twelve game schedule. Yeah, the quarterback that knocks off Ohio State. You've got to have the head to head win. Yeah. So and you've got to establish enough of a candidacy outside of it. I, I just think it's hard. I probably would say Mertz, but I don't know exactly what kind of numbers he's going to put up in that Wisconsin offense because they're still not – they might be throwing it more. They're not Texas Tech, right? right. So, I, I don't know. And it's like – and like Penn State right now, it's like, is Jahan Dotson going to be like a Heisman finalist? No. You know, not like when your quarterback is Sean Clifford. So, like, it's – it's I, I don't know. But I think, I think the three that Steven said is right. I just don't feel great about any of them. But I, I don't think any of us do, right? But I think those are the guys. When I look at Mertz, I wonder if that Wisconsin offense at the end of the day, if the balance in that offense could look a little bit like 2019 Ohio State when Justin Fields was a Heisman finalist. The problem is he's not Justin Fields. Like you have to go out and be whatever, have like a 41 to three touchdown interception ratio, which was like actually 40 to one or whatever going in when the Heisman was actually voted on. And then you also have to do a lot of things with your legs that I don't know if Mertz has that kind of skill set either that full rounded skill set so then like so because what you're saying like you have to win the head-to-head game well they're not going to none of the the best candidates from the west this year won't really play Ohio State in the regular season it would have to be a big 10 championship game win yeah Connor Cook in 2015 the year Michigan State went to the playoff after beating Ohio State in the regular season Connor Cook finished ninth one spot behind Ezekiel Elliott so that's how a that's how a – and he didn't even play in the Ohio State game. So that's how a Big Ten quarterback 
finishes in the top 10 of the Heisman voting is you got to beat Ohio state and go to the playoff. So it's like, whoever does that, that team's quarterback, who's most likely to do that. Probably Wisconsin is the most likely, I guess. Right. They get geared up and they, they finally play it. They play a great game in the big 10 championship game and figure out a way to do it. So I think that's, I think that's more likely than Indiana. Yeah. I mean, it's doing it in the regular season. mm -hmm. The the only other option is Indiana is for real and, and beats Ohio state at home. Which they at least get to play them at home, I suppose. But and if they're for real, I mean they're going to be defense heavy because we've we've covered Taiwan Mullen right. and Michael McFadden, and they got some dudes on defense. We know that. But Penix is going to be the driver there, and that's he's going to get the attention as the driving force of that. The guy who changed Indiana football. So if they beat Ohio State, he's a, he's definitely a real Heisman candidate. And he'd have not some to win, not to already. win, but to get the no, not to win. But he'd have some build up already because they would have already played three preseason top twenty five teams heading into that Ohio State game, and so this is kind of like the staple of like, all right, is this guy a real candidate or not? Now you got to play Ohio State, and if he shows out in that game, then yeah, he's probably going to New York, even if he's not winning. And he's a guy who can put on a laser show a little bit. He's a guy who can who can toss it up. We know that. He's also a guy who's got a little bit of gunslinger in him. And so I don't know if the efficiency numbers will be there too that that really help you these days. We are going to take a break. Likeable guy, likable guy, like likable guy to talk to. Like to like you know if he winds up you know doing the pregame interview on College Game Day, right? I mean, like people I think yeah. will gravitate toward him too. Plus, and not to be stupid about it, I mean, he. He has the pylon photo against Penn State that like people be like, yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy. So he's got some things working for him. He just has to beat him. He's got everything he needs. He just needs to be the Ohio team. State. Right. Well, he just needs to only be down 28 to 7 when they start to come back against Ohio State this year instead of 35 to 7. Right. Change the complexion of everything. I, I think you're right. And I, I, I think that he can also get some of that extra credit for like lifting the pro- whole program up. Like, it won't yes. really be on his shoulders as much. It goes to Tom Allen. It goes to what they're doing defensively. It goes to some other skill guys they have. But he will get a lot of credit, I think, and, and some of it deservedly so for potentially elevating Indiana to a higher level. But we're getting way down the line because Indiana's still got to beat Iowa and Cincinnati and some other teams before they get to Ohio State. State. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and talk more about the, the national candidates for this award and who else should be on the list. We're listening to Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. We were marking down our predictions for who will win the 2021 Heisman Trophy. Doug, you mentioned before that you know a receiver having just won it last year, Devonta Smith from Alabama, might have the voting body more open to picking a receiver this year. None of the preseason like favorites or top candidates are receivers. And I'm kind of wondering if the opposite could happen, if they'll be like, because this is such a voting body that has such a predisposition towards quarterbacks, if they're going to be less likely to vote for another receiver, if they will be, okay, that was like the one bone we'll throw them, but now it's back to, we want the gunslingers winning this award. I mean, everybody's inclination is quarterback, but also there aren't great receivers on the other teams. Alabama's receivers aren't that good. Right. Clemson's got Justin Ross coming back from injury. I mean, no one thinks Marvin Mims is a a Heisman candidate for Oklahoma. So, um, but also, I mean, there's no Lawrence and no Fields. There's nobody who's – I mean, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler are not Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields where they were a year ago coming in. So I do think there's an opening. And in general, if you think this could be a year where the playoff field is not the same old, same old, and I have not 
made my playoff picks yet, but I'm open to that idea. I am open to the idea that neither Alabama nor Clemson make it. I'm open to it. I'm not sure if I'm going to pick it. But if you are open to that, then you open up the Heisman. So that is, it's like, okay, well, who do you think is going to get in then? And all of a sudden you start trying to figure out who's the best player on that team. Because then if that guy is carrying one of the non-top four into the playoffs, then then that guy's a Heisman candidate. So that's, I do think, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's like maybe maybe it swings back the other way on receivers. But I think in general, it's it's potentially more wide open than many years, and especially compared to a year ago where we thought we had the two best players with the quarterbacks of the two best teams. Well, I think it's definitely more open than a year ago because I, I should have gone back and looked, but I'm thinking that like the odds, because I'm looking at the odds for the, the top candidates right now, I think the odds on Fields and Lawrence last year were like two to one, three to one. Like it was, it was, they were very heavily favored as we were even in, in early August as we were doing that. Yeah. Things might be so open this year that, I don't know if the Heisman Trophy winner is guaranteed to be from a playoff team. I think it's a very good point. Like that's and that's been the case, especially the last two years. It's been, I mean, outside of Kyle Trask, everybody else has been on playoff teams. I don't know if there's no clear best team in the country. I think there's five, six teams who have a case for that. But then there's no clear best player in the country. There's maybe seven or eight guys who have a claim to that. And how many of those eight guys don't play for teams that are probably going to be competing for national titles. There has we been did one. This, Good. We did this stat on the show last year. Yeah. I said how many of the top three finishers in the playoff era were from non were from playoff teams, and it was eleven of the eighteen, and then all three last year were. So it's now fourteen of the twenty-one top three finishers in the playoff era have been from playoff teams. And like what you're set, you're looking for a Lamar Jackson. Like, is there a mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson opening where there's a guy who's just so extraordinary and there's not an equally extraordinary talent from a playoff team that the door cracks open. I, I think I agree with you hundred percent, Steven. And I think we might li- that that's actually a good cycle a little bit where if we go through a four year Heisman cycle, three of them are from playoff teams because everybody's established. And then because at some point, college football sets a reset button, has to push that button. That's This is the Lamar Jackson window where that guy slides in there because everybody else is reestablishing themselves. You guys are, like, literally reading my notes, even though we did not share notes beforehand, but I had a whole thing here. Can a player win the Heisman without making the playoff? And I brought up Lamar Jackson there because he is the only one who's done it in the seven years of the playoff, the only winner not to be from a playoff team. Um, Him so and maybe. Just, I'm going to run down the list here. We can talk a little bit about each of these guys, and then later on we'll mark down. But I kind of wanted to just kind of bring people up to speed on who the established candidates are and anybody else that we think needs to be in this conversation. But we already mentioned Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. I'm looking at the odds that are listed on oddshark.com. And, I again, I don't know how legitimate these are, but they're more up-to-date than the other ones I was seeing that haven't been updated since, like, January. Uh, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, uh, plus 550, so that's like five and a half to one. And then JT Daniels from Georgia, again, another quarterback, plus 700, so like 7-1. to one. Bryce Young from Alabama, plus 1,000, so 10-1. to one. Um, Going back to the top of that list, does this feel like Spencer Rattler's job, Spencer Rattler's award to lose as we go into the season, or do you guys see it as being completely wide open? I think that's probably the fair way to say it. 
He's the most established returning quarterback. Everybody thinks his team is going to make the playoff, and they have a pretty easy schedule. Mm-hmm. And he's in an offense that has produced Heisman finalist quarterbacks practically every year. So that, I think, yes, it's his to lose. And I'm not picking him to win it, and I would not bet on it. Yeah, I, I think I think Oklahoma quarterback, that's going to start by backfiring a little bit, the fact that they keep having a Heisman Trophy finalist, and eventually they're going to get held to that standard. And so if, you're, if you have any fall off, like if he has a bad game, he might be out of it just because of the standard that's already been set at that school. I think this happened to Justin a little bit last year. You're a returning Heisman finalist. You come out, you can't throw an incomplete pass for three weeks, no matter how hard you try almost. And then you have the one bad game to go sideways. And again, in a six game season, he's probably wouldn't have ended up being a Heisman finalist anyway. COVID really uh, restrained his chances of, of competing for that award last year. But I think that happened a little bit with him last year. And I'm I, Doug, do you remember with Baker Mayfield, did he go into that season as the favorite or did he emerge? Cause I know that definitely happened with Murray that it was more of an emergence. To, to win that years. Yeah. Baker built up to it. Baker, yeah. Baker consistently yeah. kept finishing higher and higher. So yeah, he was, he was quite, uh, quite well known. I think he might have even finished like fourth and third than he wanted or something like that. He was yeah. the so last person who was able to build up. Since then, we've seen guys kind of break out of nowhere between Kyler, Joe Burrow, and now obviously Devontae Smith last year because everybody likes the new shiny yeah. thing. Baker was fourth, then third, then the Heisman winner. So, yeah. yeah. And even like someone like Trevor Lawrence, it's like he he built to finishing second but didn't really do it through the awards voting. He had kind of just an odd mm-hmm. career like – you know, winning a national championship as a freshman and then kind of having a pretty good season as a sophomore, but not having good enough of a season. Again, you're kind of fighting against the expectations you set for yourself. But I, I kind of agree on Rattler that I don't, I don't think you necessarily want to go into the season as the favorite because of then again, you're, you're not just living up to the Heisman standard. You're living up or well, you're not just living up to being the best player that year. You're, you're living up to being a standard of what you're supposed to have been that was set before the season even started. I think you've talked about that before, Stephen, that it sometimes is a, is a detriment to your candidacy. You want to be on the radar in a way that it's like, Oh, he's going to take a step up, but not necessarily Heisman step up. So then when you do that, it's like, Oh, wow, this is pretty interesting, but we, we expected you to be pretty good this year, but not this freaking good. I don't know how much carryover there is from year to year, but JT Daniels from Georgia when he finally showed up, that's when Georgia kind of started. You started to see the best version of Georgia last year. And then now, I mean, they had th- three. I first take place- offense to what you are saying, Mr. Nathan Bad. You are besmirched my good name. I do not think JT Daniels did anything that Spencer Barnett did not do for the Georgia Bulldogs. I could not let that pass. Without a rebuttal, I feel like I if we apologize were, for interrupting. If we were if we were doing if we were podcasting in person, you would have taken a white glove off and just slapped me across the face with it, and like I demand satisfaction, sir. How dare you? And then now I shall go back to my hedge fund management. Every time you do that voice, I want to go watch YouTube uh, compilations of Falcorn Leghorn. Every well, single time. You have to go it's watch Robin Leghorn because the player himself probably just talks like we do. <laughs> he probably doesn't sound yeah. like this at all. It's incredibly offensive. 
it's incredibly offensive when I do. It's I apologize so bad. For it. It's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. It's, it's a, it's regardless, it worse. Regardless, I like I like Daniel's position here, where he the expectations are high. Like he's like Stephen's saying, he's a known quantity in this conversation, and he also gets he's going to have some opportunities. Like they play Clemson early on, and then whoever wins the SEC and whoever like goes to the playoff out of the SEC. You're obviously playing on a pretty tremendous caliber team, and he has the opportunity to to do that. Um, and and you know Georgia had three first place votes in the preseason poll. They got uh, AP poll. They got more first place votes than Ohio State did, even though Ohio State is ahead of them, fourth to fifth. Um, a guy that I think has a, a, a is going to be kind of an interesting candidacy. Could be almost like a Joe Burrow ish. I'm not predicting he does a Joe Burrow season, but just kind of the position he's in. Um, started winning got himself ingrained a little bit, and then if he explodes the right way, he's in good position this year. Ten touchdowns, two interceptions in his four starts last year, like 305 yards per game, 67% completion. Like, it's there. And he a couple like th- came out, like, threw for 400 on Mississippi State in his first start, threw for 392 in the bowl game. Against Cincinnati, he he can put up big numbers. I I will say the one thing I'm hesitating a little bit on with JT Daniels is like George Pickens, really good receiver, coming back from an injury. They're not sure when he's going to be back. And then Eric Gilbert, the transfer from LSU, who is like maybe the was one of like the three or four biggest transfers in college football, is not with the team at the moment for personal reasons. And so George has got dudes. They have plenty of dudes. But I wonder about that a little bit. And Georgia has a really young defense. They lost a lot of guys, but they always have somebody next on defense. And I wonder if Georgia will be really good, but it might look more like something where they are led by their defense. And JT Daniels is like quite good. But when you show highlights of Georgia, it's them sacking quarterbacks. And I just want, I wonder, I think if Eric Gilbert can play and is okay, that would be big for them, but I like it. I like it. I don't have him on my list of guys, but, but I also, but I very much like Georgia this year, but I think they might be across the board, like from one to 44, pretty stinking good in a way that maybe he doesn't get as much credit for how good they're going to be. I think he might be good enough to where, I mean, because I played Clemson the first week. Mm-hmm. He is the clear-cut favorite coming out of week one because he threw threw five touchdowns and 350 yards, and he just outplays DJ because he's just, DJ's just not ready yet. It's just like he's just, he just outplays DJ. But then, like, their schedule gets easy. And so it's like he kind of simmers off, and then you start watching him and realizing, oh, this defense is actually the situation. And then you get to that Florida game where Florida's okay. They're a top 20 team still, but they're not great. And it's still on the defense. So I, the way their schedule is set up, it's great to put – It's he'll get a head start, but then everybody might be able to spend the rest of the season playing catch-up, which is why I didn't pick him either. Very possible. Clemson and Georgia are probably two of the best three defenses in the country. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone's going to throw five touchdown passes in that first game. And no. if that first game is more like 21-17 and people are like, Man, Georgia's good. Mm-hmm. But man, Clemson's good. Man, those were two of the four best teams. What a great win for Georgia. I think that all might be true, but I 
I don't know if people will come away saying like, man, JT Daniels threw it all over the yard because it might be a defensive battle. But, but I'm not saying the thing you said, Stephen, might not be possible. It definitely could be possible. And they have the biggest stage. It is by far the best game of the opening weekend. And so if a quarterback – and DJ could do the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to take that away from him. It's... If, if, if one of those quarterbacks throws for four touchdowns with 350 yards and wins big, he becomes, he becomes the leader, I think, yep. right away. So moving on to kind of the next stage, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Clemson's D.J. Uyagalele all kind of pretty close together in these odds and all in similar situations. You know, Bryce Young taking over for Mac Jones, a uh, young quarterback. C.J. Stroud, obviously a young quarterback, redshirt freshman, has not thrown a pass yet at the college level, though he has played in games. And then D.J. Uyagalele actually started a couple games in place of Trevor Lawrence last year and has some major experience, you know, going on the road, playing at Notre Dame. Like, those are big-time experience that he was able to get at least in a, a limited amount. I would call that more than a limited amount, though. Like, you started multiple games last year. But it, it kind of cr- gives you some perspective on where C.J. Stroud stands, I guess, relative to – there. it doesn't like there's a, a plethora of other quarterbacks out there at major programs – who have a lot of experience and he's having to kind of chase that or live up to that, assuming he keeps this job and holds on and takes the job for Ohio state that he kind of folds into at least the out exterior of the conversation, the fringe of this conversation, because really Alabama's quarterbacks in the same spot, Clemson's quarterbacks in the same spot. There's some other players uh, at some other pretty big schools who are in similar spots, you know, young guys getting their first chance. And those guys have in the past made an impact in the Heisman voting. I'm surprised Bryce Young has the best Heisman odds of those three. I thought DJ would get it because, one, we've actually seen him play starting the game. And so that should give him the leeway there. But also because what we just talked about with the Clemson-Georgia game, Alabama doesn't really have a game like that. And I think Alabama is just getting a lot of the benefit of a doubt for a team who just lost so much. I have questions about Alabama's skill, guys. They have a big one. Texas A&M is going to be a playoff contender. Alabama-Texas yeah. A&M in October is going to be a big one. But, yeah, they don't have – well, let's – Preseason odds. Alabama-Miami. Alabama-Miami might be the second-best game of week one, but Derek until Miami, Yeah, but until Miami shows the us they're not that good, though. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I don't know. I think people think De'Eric King is good. He's got odds in there, Nathan. Isn't he like eighth or tenth, whatever, in the odds? Yeah. He was coming if up in Bryce the Bryce Young – if Bryce Young, like, outduels him, even though you're Bama, like, if he looks like the best quarterback in that game, I think that will help him. But to all the point about this, I think the bottom line is I, I agree that you should not view C.J. Stroud as in a different group from D.J. and Bryce Young when it comes to Heisman candidacies for young quarterbacks for established programs. I just don't have any of the three of them in my final top five. <laughs> oh, you did a top five. I did who I think is going to New York, but we don't have to do that. But that's, that's what I did myself. So I can just do the top three, and then I'll say my other two guys. Because I think five are going to go because I think it's going to be a mess. Creeping down the list here a little bit, two guys who are plus 1,400. And we, I, we're getting close to, obviously, we're going to have to pretty soon name somebody that you picked. Um, but I kind of want to just have some conversations in general about these guys, and we'll, we'll mark it down here in a minute. But uh, Ole Miss is Matt Corral. And North Carolina's Sam Howell, both at plus 1,400. Uh, Keaton Slovis from USC at plus 2,000. A couple guys at plus 2,200, who you mentioned, Miami's De'Eric King. 
And Texans, Texas is Bijan Robinson, the first non-quarterback to show up on this list. And obviously an interesting player in Ohio State history, the guy who could be in their running back room right now. And I think that's going to be sort of an interesting contrast this year for Ohio State fans is to be kind of looking over their shoulder at Bijan Robinson and then also possibly kind of looking around the corner at what's coming with Trevion Henderson until it finally gets here. North Carolina doesn't play Clemson in the regular season, so they're only kind of relevant game. I mean, they play Notre Dame, so obviously Notre Dame and Miami back-to-back weeks with a bye game in between, but the back-to-back games against those two, so he can build some momentum there. And then the ACC championship game against Clemson is where he can solidify his chance to go to New York. Matt Corral, no, it's not happening. I picked B. John Robinson. I think, I mean, that guy averaged 8.2 yards per carry. And as we talked about on the on the Mal Buckmore pod for the, the running backs, the way he kind of built that up last season, Steve Sarkeesian is going to give Bijan Robinson the ball as much as Bijan Robinson can take it. And he's going to have a lot of yards and a lot of production this year in a way where, where it's going to be messy and the guy who the guys who make it to New York might not all be, you know, college football playoff teams. This is a chance for Bijan Robinson to go win the Heisman Trophy. But they can't go eight and four, I don't think. No, 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 no. They got to win 10 games. Okay. And they could – that's a good – that's your threat. They've got to go 10 and two in the Big 12. Because they could go 10 and two and still only be the third best team in the Big 12. But 10 and two, compete in their two losses. Mm-hmm. He's the whole offense because they're – I think they're still in a quarterback battle. They're figuring out yeah. who their quarterback's going to be. And he averages – he, like, runs for 2,000 yards mm-hmm. and looks the part. Because when you see highlights of that guy, you're like, that guy's Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. They've got to be, but they have to be. And I think Sarkeesian is the kind of coach who's going to gear the offense around what they have. And that's they have him. Mm-hmm. But they have to be, like, top 15. Like, I, like, I agree. I agree. I mean, that, all that, that, that really, that's very Lamarish. That's like, there's nobody like him. Right? Like, like I, just like – Bijan Robinson is unlike anybody else in college football, and his team's good enough. It's an interesting case. It's an interesting case. I think – I don't know. They don't have to beat Oklahoma because Oklahoma might end up just being a playoff team. But he needs to expose Oklahoma. Like, that probably should be a – it's the Big 12, so I'll to come up with a 49 to 45 score where it's close and it seems like Texas might win it. And then they just need to beat Iowa State. Mm-hmm. They, they got to make sure people know that Iowa State's not for real. I want to round out this sort of top 16 that they put here. Uh, Florida quarterback Emory Jones, Iowa State uh, running back Brees Hall and quarterback Brock Purdy, both at plus 2,800. So is Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz, who we mentioned. Arizona State's Jaden Daniels and Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. Anybody else that you guys think needs to be in the conversation? Now, obviously, we already mentioned like someone like Chris Olave being a potential candidate. Anybody else from uh, that isn't? listed there that's on more of your national radar so so Brees Hall's on my radar I'm really coming around a little bit on Iowa State they're so veteran he's the engine they play Oklahoma in the second last game of the regular season so if things go as expected in the Big 12 Oklahoma and Iowa State are gonna play twice in three weeks I don't know if Oklahoma can beat Iowa State twice in three weeks because last year Iowa State they, last year they split, and Iowa State won one and probably should have won the other. And they have a really good defense, but Hall is just like a professional back. He just looks like – he looks like a – I mean, he's like a Jonathan Taylor type of guy, right? I don't know. He's not B. John Robinson, but, like, 
He just knows what to do. And I am torn. I'm coming around on where, what I think Iowa State might do this year. And if they do something, like if they really are in the playoff mix, like he's the guy that's going to make it happen. And then the name that hasn't been said yet that is probably a flyer because something would have to change is Derek Stingley Jr. at LSU because people were talking about him playing both ways. But which I think if you read stories, it's like they talked to him about that when they recruited him and said by like year three, we'll have you play both ways. But then I just read something that like he hasn't taken a snap on offense yet in the preseason because he's had a minor injury. But even if he's not there at the start of the year, I could see them coming around on him getting a couple plays. He's like, he's a returner. He's, he's probably the best defensive player in college football. He's going to be a return guy. And if they give him a couple looks on offense, you start creating the Charles Woodson case. And like in a big mishmash of, Hey, like, Bama's quarterback's not going to win it. Clemson's quarterback's not going to win it. Oklahoma's quarterback just lost to Iowa State. Like, who should we give this to? It's like, well, we got a guy over here who's like Charles Woodson Jr. I, I don't know. Like, I, I have him in my top – I have him fifth on my thing as like a wild card. But I think he has to do something on offense to give himself a chance because if he's just a great cornerback who returns some stuff, I don't think that's enough. I show for wins before I name another guy for that because they don't have LSU schedule is not easy at all. No, I don't think his wouldn't be a wins case. His would be a, this is an extraordinary, like I think like LSU is nine and three and it's like number 21. And he is just like, there's nobody like him and people, a couple people throwing some votes and he squeaks his way into New York. That's fine. I can agree with that. Um, He's not going to win it and he's not going to New York, but I'm just surprised he's not at least on some highs and odds because he just seems like Sam Ellinger. 2.0, 2.0, and it's Bo Nix, year three, former five-star quarterback who Auburn's not going to be very good, but let's just say they start playing some teams close. They play Alabama close. They play Florida close. And then all of a sudden he puts up some numbers where we're in the middle of the season because it's so messy. He finds himself third on somebody's Heisman Trophy race, even if by week 12 he's 10th on that list. I think that's a good point. We're going to come back from this break. We're going to mark down who we – believe will win the 2021 Heisman Trophy here on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. 614-350-3315. If you have not signed up for the text, if you're doing it today, it will take you through the start of the season, basically. We are in, and then some. We're going to – the season starts September 2nd at Minnesota for Ohio State – or I'm sorry, the first game is September 2nd. We're obviously reporting on the team – on a daily basis right now. We do a lot of things with our texters. We do live podcasts with our texters. I imagine we haven't talked about this, like scheduling those out, but I imagine we are going to be getting back live into a zoom room with all of our texters pretty soon, Doug. Yeah, we probably should do that before the season starts. That's a good idea. Now that you've promised it, I guess we have to do it. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> well, it was but a pretty regular feature last year, and I think uh, people enjoy them, and I, I would like to do them again. We were doing them, I think, Thursday nights last year. I don't know if we'll follow that same uh, pattern again this year, but uh, a good time was had by all, except for the people who would scream profanities at us. Uh, I guess actually they were probably having a good time, just not so much us as a result of that. (laughs) We are marking down our Heisman Trophy predictions for the 2021 season. Doug, you said you had five guys that you were picking. Steven, how many guys did you list? 
I just made a top three. Okay. So did I. I only did a top three. Doug, do you want to – we'll start with you. I want you – who are your five and four? Five is Derek Stingley Jr. and four is Chris Olave. Both of them, like, getting – like, squeaking their way to New York in a year when they take five because the vote is close enough and it's hard to figure out who you're supposed to vote for and like kind of like a lot of people get some sort of weird second and third place votes all right steven who is number three on your ballot three is spencer rattler for me i just he's gonna have the curse of the he's supposed to win the heisman this year so if he has any lulls, he's just going to be playing from behind the whole time. I think he gets there, but I think there's going to be a guy who number my number two guys is just not him. I just think he just he peaks out at number three because he's good, but he doesn't live up necessarily to the hype that's already around his name to win the award and potentially be the number one pick in the 2022 draft. Spencer Rattler was number two on my list. Like we said, he's the one that's standing out right now as like the top candidate. Uh, I think he's going to have a pretty strong season for a team that should be in the playoff mix and could be a national championship contender. I just don't think he uh, – I think when you have that preseason hype, I think that's an additional hard thing to live up to, and I, I'm not sure he gets it there enough to win it. There's just one guy that I like better and I think is a really intriguing candidate. And, Doug, you're saying he was not in your top five. No, he is in my top five. I have him oh, okay. second also, but okay. I, I almost feel like I should have him not on because here's the thing. Like, do you guys think Oklahoma is going to go undefeated? Because I think if you think Oklahoma is going to go undefeated, then I almost think you have to pick Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman. Because I'm not sure who else is going to go undefeated, and they're going to go undefeated with their offense. You know, they've got, oh, they've got Iowa State and Texas, and then, you know, the Big 12 championship game against whoever finishes second in that conference. And – they have like the easiest path to the playoff of anybody. Definitely. Like by far, I think. So if you think they're going to do it, like, I don't know if what would hold him back from the Heisman is like, Oh, his stats weren't quite good enough for an undefeated number one team. I think it might be like, Oh, they lost. So I, I do think his candidacy is, is quite a bit tied to whether Oklahoma makes the playoff or not. So like my hedge on this, I think my official prediction might be something like Oklahoma is undefeated. Number one, they beat Iowa state in the regular season. And then like they lose to Iowa state in the big 12 championship game and throw the playoff into chaos. And all of a sudden you're not even sure Oklahoma might go from one into to out because now all of a sudden you're going to question their whole schedule. And Spencer Rattler goes from like the presumed, Odds on looks like it's his to, oh, my God, and he finishes second. I, th I think that might be what my official prediction for what happens might be. So I could not pull the trigger on him finishing first. But I'm curious if you guys sort of, as you think about Rattler with where you had him, do you, are you thinking undefeated Oklahoma or not? I think that's an important way to look at it because I, cause I could see Oklahoma being undefeated at the time the Heisman Trophy is voted on going into the playoff, but still maybe only thinking they're like the fourth best team based on how the season plays out. I voted them number two on my AP poll, but any of those five teams, I could have maybe voted them in a different order on a different day. Um, 
I just I, I, I'm believing them up to a point on the whole package that they have this year. I'm much more skeptical on Iowa State than other people are. Um, I think I had them 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range on my vote, which is very low. Uh, they don't hate me as much as Cincinnati people do, but they hate me a decent amount. Um, so I, I, I'm not that – I think they probably are the, the team that rolls through the Big 12. But other Oklahoma quarterbacks have rolled through the Big 12 in recent years and not done anything in the playoff. I think – That doesn't have anything to do with the Heisman. No, I think he might go undefeated, but I think he might not win the award. And I mean, like, he might not go out there and win it when it's time to go win it. He might not – look good against Texas or Iowa state when they play them and they still might win the game. Cause they're the better team. You know, you still gotta go win it. And that's what I think my problem with Spencer is I'm not confident that when it's time to go actually claim the award, he'll do it. Like Kyler went. Yeah. Won, that yeah, took, yeah. took it from two of the last. And even yeah, Devonte went out and took it. The Joe Burrow, the, the Alabama gang went out and took it. I don't know where Spencer Rattlers. I went and took, this is my award now game is. And almost like if that game does come up during the season and he has to do that, is it almost seen as a detriment to Oklahoma's case? Like if it's happening against Kansas State or Texas Tech or yeah. whoever, like that, that's seen as how, how will that be seen? I think it's, that's a fair point to make. Uh, number three guy on my list was JT Daniels, Georgia quarterback. I agree with what you were saying, Doug, about his, the top end of his candidacy might be limited by what that team is. But I think the floor of his candidacy is elevated by what that team is, that he may get a lot of credit for being like, you know, the – the. I think they are going to have to win this season with their offense more than they have in recent years. Can they do that? We'll see. But I think he will get credit for um, pushing that team, especially if it has the kind of season that it could have. I mean, if they – as you were saying before, if they come out and beat Clemson to start the year, then that obviously catapults his candidacy to some extent. Todd Monken, the former Browns offensive coordinator under Freddie Kitchens, and when that whole staff got fired, he was Georgia's first-year offensive coordinator last year, and I think a lot of Georgia people thought like he got some stuff sorted out offensively in terms of play calling in a way that had not been sorted out at Georgia before, that they've always kind of been – the defense is good enough. They're the opposite of Oklahoma, right? The defense at Georgia is always good enough. Is the offense good enough? And if they get that sorted out, you saw a month of JT Daniels in the Todd Monken offense. Now you get a whole year of it. Uh, it could really pop. It could really pop. And I am torn because, like, I I really like Georgia as a playoff candidate, but I did not pull the trigger on Daniels for the Heisman. Doug, who was number three on your list? Brees Hall from Iowa State, Iowa State, under the guise of they are like a little engine that could the whole year. Their defense is pretty good. Again, they were better than Oklahoma. Like, they were better than Oklahoma last year, and they brought everybody, they had everybody back. So they've got a good tight end. Brock Purdy's a, a, a pretty solid veteran quarterback, but Hall's what makes them go. And so if they do something, if they go 11-1, and one, and if, I mean, they're a top 10 in the preseason, if they sort of stay in the top 10 all year, even if they trip up, you know, here or there, um, I, I think he's going to get a lot of credit for that. So I can see people voting for him. And I think he might put up the best running back stats in the country. So I think like he's going to be like the best running back in the country for a top 10 team, which is not a bad candidacy. So I had him third. That's a good case. Steven, who is number two on your list? 
I'm sold on DJ Uyunglaye. I, I think he's going to be really good. I think he might solidify himself as being the number one pick in the 2023 draft. Um, I think the defense will be better, and I'm combining that with the numbers he potentially might put up. Because in his two starts, 30 for 41, 342 yards, and two touchdowns against Boston College, and then 29 to 44 for 439 and two touchdowns against Notre Dame, where he, I mean, he showed up. The defense did not show up, which is why Clemson lost to Notre Dame. So if the defense is supposed to be better because that defensive front might just be crazy good and he's putting up numbers like this, I don't think he wins it, but I think it's, you know, he pushes who, who the person I do think it's like, that guy sets himself up to be the favorite in 2022. I, I'm just very much sold on the six foot five, 250 pound quarterback who got some extra experience last year and now gets to put it to good use. And they might just let him let it fly, especially since they lost his only real weapon is Justin Ross. It's a good case. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if they have to beat Georgia in week one, uh, right? That's what I'm saying. I don't think they do. I think they can lose that one game. And maybe still make the playoff if they spend the rest of the season wrecking everybody else. Yeah, and that'll be almost to be like it's like people would be – it'd be like Ohio State in 2014. It's like, okay, yeah. Clemson lost. Now here they come. And it's like DJ's trying to drag them back into the playoff mix. Mm-hmm. I threw for 4-11 this week. Up, oh, DJ's trying to get them back in. They're, they're up to eighth in the standings. He threw for five touchdowns this week. He could be uh, in – in the discussion a lot as Clemson tries to crawl back in. It could almost like work in his favor. So yeah. Or they they blow Georgia off the field and people are like, oh, wait, (laughs) DJ Uyunglele is the best player in college football. What were we doing? Mm -hmm. How was he not the odds on favorite? Let's stand Spencer Rattler and DJ next to each other and say, pick the Heisman winner. Oh, everybody picked DJ. Why weren't his odds lower in the preseason? Yeah, I mean, honestly, he probably should have been my number three. I mean, I picked Clemson as my preseason number one. This is a defense that is – I think they have nine starters back on defense, something like that. Now, a lot of Ohio State fans who are listening to this podcast, which is probably only Ohio State fans, are saying, oh, you mean that that defense that Ohio State shredded in the Sugar Bowl? And I'm saying, yes, that's the same one. So we'll see how that goes. But I think you're right, Stephen. I think there are a lot of ways where he – I mean, you just look at that guy play football and you see yeah. in some ways guys who have won this trophy in recent years, right? I mean, it, he just has that body. He has some of those skills. Um, I, I like him a lot too. I'm intrigued by what he could do this year. And it's one of the reasons why I picked him as my preseason number one. He's also very likable and he's going to be on your face a lot because every other commercial is going to be DJ and the Dr. Pepper commercials. So I think it's time for us to, I think we've given both our three and our two. So I will go. My number one vote is going to North Carolina quarterback, Sam Howell. I kind of see this as uh, Doug in the same way that you do, that this is kind of a weird year and they are kind of my team that I didn't have a lot of belief in last year. And even though they're in the same conference as Clemson, they return a ton of experience and he took a big step forward last year. He was already a guy that was already on people's radar going into last year. I think people thought he was a talented quarterback. And if you look at kind of the next level numbers on him, you started to see things take a progression. And now I, he's just the kind of guy that I think that team could have some 
fun, big scoring games where he is going to be able to show off his arm. He's got a, a cannon and uh, the, the kind of, like we were talking before, the, where you can put up some of those sort of highlight performances um, and build a little bit of buzz that way. I think he's got the kind of skill set that can do that. So in a year where I don't think there's like any like pristine candidate, and I think it could be like you're saying a messy year where a lot of guys go to New York. I think some of those things, and especially if he takes North Carolina and pushes them higher, like what if they beat Clemson for the ACC championship? You know, Stephen already mentioned they've got a big juncture in the middle of the year. They play at Miami by week at Notre Dame. Like it's just actually the Miami game. I think is is in Miami's um, at home. Notre Dame's on the road. Okay, they've got it wrong here in the uh, the Phil Steele thing, but um, regardless, th- just two back-to-back, not back-to-back games, but two games in three weeks that kind of probably decide their season in a lot of ways. Um, and it's not a super challenging schedule outside of those two weeks. Virginia Tech, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Duke, Florida State. I, I think there's you have the combination of a couple of high-profile games and, and getting to play the, the, the Notre Dame national uh, – exposure whatever with a schedule where you can put up some numbers so i'm taking sam howell as my number one me too really yep and i think he will my expectation would be that he'll establish himself as the guy that everyone thinks is going to be picked first in the 2022 nfl draft and that that stuff seeps into the heisman conversation sure that if if you know todd mcshay and mel kuyper and everybody else are saying like, this guy's got it all. Then all of a sudden it reverse influences what's actually happening in college right now. So I also have how number one. Steven, who is your, you already said, is it Bijan Robinson? Yeah, it's Bijan. It's Bijan Robinson. Sam Howell, if I'd have gone to five, he would have been fourth for me. I just think this is the Lamar Jackson's year for him. I think that can happen. I think their schedule, I think he just comes out the gate in that Louisiana game. He might have 250 yards out the gate, and he's just crazy good. And then, obviously, you get to the Oklahoma game where it's a high-scoring game. They might lose it, but once again, he has 250 yards, and Oklahoma doesn't know what to do with him. And it's the same thing with Iowa State where they just don't know what to do with him. And the num- And because it's so muddy at the top, his numbers are too – you can't deny his numbers. And the fact that Sarkeesian is going to keep giving him the ball and keep giving the ball and keep giving the ball. So if he has 2,000 yards and 25 to 28 touchdowns, which isn't a crazy thing to throw at him, I mean, I don't know if that's – that might be undeniable, especially in a world where everybody else – where everybody's kind of equal, that's what separates him. I think the other thing in his favor is we've already seen him do some sort of highlight reel stuff. I think he's yeah. already got a little bit of – buzz from that you know the, the the jumping over dude and landing on his t- crown of his head and then walking away and coming back to run even stronger later in the season I think those sorts of things in a year that's going to be this crowded I think you need some clips like that to separate yourself so if he honestly I mean obviously hopefully he doesn't do that again because I think you only get to do that so many times in your life and and uh <laughs> get Still away walk with around <laughs> <laughs> right so he's probably used up his his one uh, walk away from that. But I, I like his chances to do some of those electric things that, uh, that stick in voters' minds when, it, when you have a very crowded field yeah. later in the season. Adrian Peterson in 2006 was like very much a Heisman candidate for Oklahoma. And Oklahoma lost uh, two of its first five games that year. 
But for instance, uh, in a loss to Oregon, Adrian Peterson had 34 carries for 211 yards. So he got hurt. I think he hurt his collarbone, which is what turned Troy Smith into the runaway Heisman winner in 2006. But that was a case where Oklahoma lost a couple games, but people were like, have you seen that guy? Oh my, like he does not, that is not what college running backs look like. And his, you know, he put up 139, 165, 211, 128, 109, 183. So like, if that's what B. John Robinson's doing, and it's just to have you seen that guy, that's your case. Have you seen that guy in a muddled year? That's the case. That's a potentially winning case. If, DJ isn't throwing 48 touchdown passes for undefeated Clemson. If he's throwing 48 touchdown passes for undefeated Clemson, then it's over. Yeah. But we, you know, there's uncertainty. There's, there's not uncertainty, even lack of experience at quarterback for the three best programs in the country. So that cracks the door. It's a chance that nobody's undefeated this year. That's a real possibility. Cause even if Georgia beats Clemson, they'll probably have to get through Bama to win it out to you know, when the SEC and maybe Bama stumbles early on, Clemson would have lost to Georgia. There might not be – Oklahoma might stumble the way Oklahoma loves to do. So if there's there's no undefeated team, then there's no – it allow it cracks the door open for a guy like Bijan Robinson to walk through it if he's if Texas is 10-2. and yeah, Bijan's got an opportunity to really build some early momentum. Louisiana, at Arkansas, Rice, Texas Tech. I mean, those are four games where – I mean, my God, Texas Tech, I mean – just name your numbers sometimes against defenses <laughs> like that. But then then it's then October starts and it's at TCU and then Oklahoma and Dallas. And I think those two weeks could could go a long way. I think if if, if Texas loses both of those games, that maybe hurts his chances of, of doing this, regardless of what his stats are, because those quarterbacks are going to be higher up the list. But I, I just agree that I think he's the kind of guy that you just know when you see it, right? I mean, I they're guys who stick out in my mind, Saquon Barkley being one. That you watch them play and you're like, that's not what that, that guy's not supposed to be here. Like, why are, why is he wasting his time in college football for a year or two? And uh, I, he's a guy that I don't know if I've seen that quite yet from him, but I could see it simmering. Like, that, I, I could believe that it's in him. And I'm, I'm, he's just a guy that I'm intrigued to watch play football this year. Hopefully, I get a bit of a chance to do that. They might lose to Louisiana, by the way. Texas is 21 in the preseason AP poll, Louisiana is 23. So yeah. that's on the table. Don't poo poo. Louisiana. Louisiana is probably a better is actually probably a better football program than Texas right now across the board. Louisiana <laughs> didn't fire their coach after last year. That's so, fair. They're that's, definitely healthier, at least. <laughs> they may be a uh, better coach team or have been a better coach team. I don't think there's more talent at Louisiana than there is at Texas. What is Tom Herman doing right now? He is like a uh, helper for the Bears. Okay. Well, Bears need some help. Um, as someone who's, who's followed them, by the way, Doug, every time you tweet out about your book, I've on multiple occasions, I've started to retweet it and say with four words by Bill Davis and, uh, uh, <laughs> and I've, I've always stopped myself because I don't want to make a mockery of your work. I appreciate Here I will. That. Here I will. No, no, no. Yes, because words just fly off into the world. But yeah, like, yeah. If you if you have to type something down, you, you um, meant that. You meant that if you wrote if you wrote it down. That would be unfortunate if like Bill Davis was like, "That's my line in the sand." I've taken enough abuse from these guys. I am going to organize a boycott of this Joker's book, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, there's yeah." 
So, well, I mean, do you, how many Texas football fans do you think are going to buy your book? Uh, that would be zero. That would be that would be. Zero. Is there a chapter but, uh, about how they lost Beach John Robinson? Because if so, then yeah. they'll all buy it. There is actually. Well, there you go. And they're there's, all going to buy it. There's a chapter. The trivia and Henderson chapter is Tony Alford talking about how they lost Bijan Robinson. So, yeah, make sure you scoop that up. That'll do it for this episode of Buckeye Talk. Uh, one more week, I think, of Market Down Monday. I think we're going to do playoffs and national champion and all that stuff. So it's going to be some of these same names are going to come up in next week's episode. But uh, I think that'll be an interesting one because I think that's uh, pretty wide open too. And I'm going to I'm curious to see if we go off of chalk uh, or the what is the established leaders right now based on the polls and stuff. And if anybody comes in with a a candidate team that's not listed there. So I'm Nathan Baird for Doug Lee Maurice and for Stephen Means. That was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>